Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Hey, listeners, host Brad Kearns here catching up with Martin Keene, the co founder and CEO of Focal Upright. You might recognize that name from their super slick, high-tech stand-up workstations. How you doing, Martin? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Brett? Um, glad to talk to you. We're huge fans. Uh, you, we, people have seen the pictures of Mark Sisson at his proud uh, home office there with his focal workstation and the, um, the whole apparatus set up. So uh, same, same with folks in the office. And um, I just went to a trade show in Las Vegas with uh, Leslie Klinke, our marketing manager, author of Paleo Girl, too. And she packed her um, her seat with her so that she wouldn't have to sit in a regular chair all day at the trade show. Oh, she had a mogo. Yeah, she packed the mogo. That is awesome. I'm check, glad to hear check that. Check baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can actually carry it on. You can get that thing through custom or through the uh, through the security line. You don't need oh, to check it. No one wants to ask they, they you know uh, any more details. They just look at it and go, okay, you look legit. Go on through. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so tell us about your operation there. Well, we're here in uh, in uh, lovely North Kingstown, Rhode Island, on the site of a former military base called Quonset, where all the Quonset huts were built and deployed around the world, uh, probably starting, I think, starting in World War II. Oh, that's funny. They were all built there, and then they were transported? Yeah, all built here yeah, and transported, and now the, there's still some manufacturing for uh, military here, but um, it's, it's just become an industrial park. We're in a very large old building where we... Are building a furniture factory and building this uh, furniture you, you're talking about, seating and desking and sending it out globally. Oh, so you actually you actually really do build it there? It's not off in China or somewhere. No, we we <laughs> build uh, we make components from you know we source components all around the world. Uh, we probably work with a dozen vendors domestically, but we do the final assembly of everything except for that mogo you were talking about, which does come finished and packaged from Asia. Uh, everything else is is touched by American hands uh, with loving care and sent out the door with the mission to create this upright revolution. So we've got an excited group of upright devotees here. All of our employees work in our workstations. None of them complain. Uh, in fact, they uh, our accountant our accountant has been with us just a year and she's lost thirty five pounds. And the only thing she's changed is her posture. Wow. Her diet. She still like still tell her she has a horrible diet, but she doesn't care. She loves her uh, her cookies and her ice cream. What can you do? Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can work there for two more years, and then slowly but surely, all those old habits will fade away. Probably. So yeah. you know, it's a lifestyle shift. I think when you shift something in your life, you look at the rest of your life uh, and you know try and rebalance a little bit. If if something has changed for the better, you tend to you know reinvestigate what else is going on in your world. So. Um, yeah, it's cool you mentioned your accountant because with the same dynamic at uh, Primal Blueprint headquarters in Malibu where, you know, a new uh, hiring candidate walks in the door and hears, you know, 
seven people all with workstations. A couple of them have treadmills going and they're taking lunch breaks and you go into the break room and you see everyone's brought, you know, different salad contributions and they have these incredibly delicious meals. And it's like, mm. if you're thrust into that environment, um, yeah. you know, we're not going to call it like peer pressure or anything like that. It's just like, here's the environment that you're all of a sudden existing in. And it's very easy to naturally transition toward healthier habits because of the, um, the role models and the influences around you. Well, it's a tribal thing, isn't it? I mean, we all are affected by what our peers are doing, whether we are an alpha or a beta uh, or a gamma. You know, wherever we exist, we are all affected by not just our surroundings, but the, the way people are living their lives around us. So, And, and I think, you know, this whole habit of sitting has, has uh, come around and, like I said, is a relatively new phenomenon for work. Uh, really was 1897 when Frederick Taylor, one of the first work management consultants uh, in the world, worked with Bethlehem Steel when we were starting to gather in offices to sit behind typewriters and you know work uh, as a communal group. And he made the statement, uh, the best way to control a group of people that are gathered together to work together is to have them all sit down. So we're still living that legacy. That eventually turned into the cube farm we are still trying to get out of that legacy today. Um, you know, the history of ergonomics really only looked at sitting, a sitting person or a standing person. And what we make is this upright leaning seat, which is a place in between. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a better way. So I think as somebody like you know, people like Mark and Gary Gray and so many other individuals that have adopted our, our product from not just the wellness fitness world, but coders, movie makers, uh, music mixers, and they're just looking for a better way to work and pay attention to what their goal is for the day. They're uh, finding our product and endorsing it. So it's uh, been it's been a fun ride so far. Uh, Martin, is that an actual quote where the guy said the best way to control people is to sit them down? The best way to control <laughs> people. Yeah, look up Frederick Taylor, uh, and I paraphrased, but it was not more than ten percent off on uh, that statement. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's not a great word. That's not a great thought for uh, the modern workplace, especially that you know you want to have your employees under control. But uh, pretty, pretty humorous. Everything is changing, though, and we we all now work in open, open plan spaces, and there's a lot more individual contribution. Before it was very top down, driven by the boss, and he would lord over basically a typing pool. And you know, if you think about back to when we started gathering for work, it was really not long after the Industrial Revolution. So this is pretty new for us, Working, all working together. And now this knowledge work we're doing where we're just staring at a LCD screen for a large portion of our day and we get lost in that work. You know, we don't think about our physicality. We don't think about our posture. We just have uh, adopted this prescribed chair because we have been taught in school, sit down, stay still, pay attention, you know, only serious work can happen when you're sitting down. <laughs> right, hey, that's sit right. Down. Yeah. Hey, let's stand, let's sit down and talk about that, Brad. Right. Instead of just casually chatting about it while we're yeah. standing up or walking over. Yeah. yeah. That's, or that's the, hilarious. Yeah, think about the the term "chair" in our lexicon. The chairman, uh, the chairman of the board, is the most powerful guy who's got the biggest seat and the biggest desk in the entire <laughs> company. And so we got we got to need it. We need a new term like the uh, the the standing. Uh, yeah, the leaner. <laughs> I don't know. The leaner of the board. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about postures that we've abandoned when we were more tribal or nomadic peoples. And we would, you know, we all used to be able to flat foot squat. We would flat foot squat around a fire, passing 
you know, legs of mutton back and forth and talking about the game that, you know, the, the chase earlier the day to catch the, uh, to catch the, the ram or whatever we caught. And we've abandoned that posture, you know, unless you're into wellness and fitness, but so we, we can't squat anymore. Uh, but think about the other postures that we use then. We wouldn't necessarily build chairs because they were too big to carry around. So we'd find a, a uh, I suppose, log that was the right angle to, to lean against. So I think, you know, primitive man sort of leaning against things, realizing I feel better. I'm ready to get up and go. You know, the, the whole uh, potentially being prey uh, made you very alert too. So if you were sitting down, you were more relaxed, not alert. But if you're up and ready to run from our, our enemies... You know, I, I don't know anything about that because it's ancient, ancient history that we only see some scribblings on some cave walls about what our, our ancestors were like. But we're still the same bodies. You know, we, we're continuing to evolve, but part of us is starting to devolve through these, you know, these unintentional consequences of adopting a device designed for leisure for a large portion of our day. So it's flabbergasting, but I'm, I'm a guinea pig too, just like everyone else. We're all part of the society that says we should gather in offices, we should stare at a screen, we should sit down, we should all sit meeting down. You know, it's just, I think there are different ways to do things. And sure. we're trying to turn things on their head and, uh, you know, really challenge the status quo of how we should be working physically. What are the physical tools we're supporting ourselves with and how are they considering our human architecture um, just the ways, the way our body was meant to be, which is a much more neutral, balanced posture. Right. And not only the, uh, the physical part of it, but we are doing something kind of artificial by trying to stay focused on something that's sedentary and cognitive for eight straight hours. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, throughout time, um, it's unlikely that we did that in our prehistorical past. And there was probably uh, a lot of variation and movement and breaks between periods of peak cognitive focus to move around and, and divert and distract the eyes and the brain and the body into something else. So mm. I think that all plays together where, um, and this Katie Bowman hit these points hard in the Don't Just Sit There program that uh, she and Mark just launched, that yeah, it's, it's not only the positioning of your body that's messed up when you're scrunching a chair, but the lack of variation throughout the day in your motor patterns and what your cells are doing when they're sitting or or at a uh, a stand-up workstation it's still too much static so we're looking at tools like your products to um kind of just broaden the perspective and maybe encourage more frequent walking breaks because you're into this uh you know stand-up workstation type of thing yeah you're more inclined to just walk away if you're if it's no effort to get up and you just <laughs> right except yeah. the mogo you're gonna have to put somewhere um, yeah, I mean, I, I find it fascinating, you know, the state of the art of this industry. And again, I come from, I'm an industrial designer. I've, I've spent most of my career as a shoe designer. And getting into the furniture industry, I realized how backwards it is and how slow they are to change. You know, this information has really only been coming out for 10 years, really, about the sedentary posture and the issues with spending 9.3 hours a day, you know, sitting, which includes, you know, at work, in the car, on the couch, or, or does not does not include that. So state of the art today in this, this industry is really saying, okay, well, sit for 20 out of 30 minute periods, sit for 20 minutes, stand for eight, walk around for two. That's their solution. So they've, they've developed these standing height adjustable desks. So you sit at your Aeron chair for 20 minutes, you raise the desk up for eight minutes, and then you walk around for two minutes. I mean, think about how much you, you have to have a, an app on your computer to remind you to do that. 
So we, we, our recommendation is abandon your chair, put your desk up, pull the plug, buy one of our seats, our leaning devices, our stand assist devices, and you won't need to sit. There's a lounge area when you want to go and take, you know, fully take a rest and get your mind off your work. But when your mind is focused on, on your work, you want to be in that zone as you know, 90 to 100% of your energy should be focused on what you're doing. If you're not, you're not an effective worker. Oh, you're talking about at your workplace, there's a lounge area where there's a couch or whatever. Of course, and, a yoga, okay, yeah. you know, like a big beanbag chair, you lie on the floor, you know, do some squats. Uh, we, we encourage all that activity here uh, because it's important to, to get away from your work. But when you're at your desk, don't stand, you know, stand up and just stare at your screen. Stand and lean, stand and lean, move around, get up, move around. Uh, but we don't have a chair in our building here. So we've abandoned the whole idea of you know, needing a chair for, for work, and nobody here complains. The young, the old that work for us, there's really no complaint. It's a relief. People find a sense, there's a sense of relief in you know, finding this new third posture, this leaning posture. Well, I like that idea, that concept that you point out, that lounge area where you really want to go unplug and really properly get some rest um, for your mind and body. Um, as opposed to kind of half-assing everything all day long where you have that comfortable chair and you're, 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 you're so far sunk into it and you're, you're surfing the web and taking these three-minute breaks uh, that are you know, unintended because you're zoning out and you don't have any more discipline to maintain your focus on the document that you're working on. Yeah, yeah. And I, you, know, you can relate a lot of this to uh, just the, the physical uh, actions of our body when we sit. And Mark Hamilton from the Pennington Biomedical Lab is one of the first people I reached out to or reached out to us actually shortly after we launched. And he's, he coined the phrase sitting disease. He's a uh, inactivity physiologist. I don't know if you've ever heard of such a, <laughs> a specialist, but he really studies what happens to our bodies when we are not in motion. You know, when we are this prolonged sitting, the negative effects of prolonged sitting. And, you know, he, he says he's the evidence he's come up with is that the electrical activity in our legs shuts down after just I think within ten minutes we basically shut ninety percent the electrical activity in our legs. So the largest muscles in our body, right? <laughs> think about that. All of a sudden now they're just not they're completely inactive, so they're not doing anything to help to pump blood throughout the body. Our fat eating enzyme dropped by ninety percent. What kind of enzyme? What did you say? Fat or fat-eating enzymes drop by ninety percent after. Uh, this is immediately after sitting down. This is Mark Hamilton's the facts he's he's uh, got in his study. Our calorie burn rate drops to less than one calorie a minute when we sit down. Long term, oxygen intake into our lungs obviously decreases because we're inactive. So our blood flow to the heart slows. And because of this prolonged sitting has, has even, as you've probably read, been identified as an independent risk factor in heart disease, which is pretty scary. So this device that has been prescribed to us as a work device is, you know, is killing us. You know, blood flow to our brain slows down, leaving us obviously, as you said, tired, unproductive and lethargic. And then, you know, this is not even talking about the physical compression of the anterior spine. So the front part of your spine sort of facing your rib cage is obviously under compression when you're sitting. So you're, you're unevenly compressing your spinal disc, which stresses your back, your shoulders, 
your neck hunches forward, you end up with a turtleneck posture, and then tightening of our hip flexors because we are sitting so much. And now when we go to stand, so the state of the art of the industry says to sit for 20 minutes, stand for eight. So now I've been sitting for 20 minutes. I'm going to go and stand. My hip flexors have shortened because I've been sitting. <laughs> what happens to your pelvis? Your whole pelvis rocks forward. When your pelvis rocks forward, your you get, you know, your, your belly sticks out and you have the hollow in your back. So you've got this overextended S-curve. And a typical human S-curve is a very soft S-curve. Imagine, you know, like if you rotate your pelvis back, like your yoga instructor tells you to, rotate the top part of your pelvis back when you're standing, which lets your shoulders come back, lets your chest open. I mean, this is how we should, so we, we don't even know how to stand correctly. So these companies are saying, sit part of the day, stand part of the day. They need to give us a manual on how to, you know, think about standing. But, but our seats, fortunately, put you into this neutral posture. Just by leaning back, your pelvis is put in this halfway posture and allows you to not even think about it. And that's the, that, to me, is the most wonderful part about this whole concept. And I, and I don't know if you've read any of my bio or how I came up with it, but it was before I started the, uh, the Keen brand, uh, which was launched in 2003. I came up with the idea for Focal in 1994 because I started my own design consulting business in the uh, footwear industry, and I was no longer working for the man. I was, you know, I was the man, and I decided to build the studio how I wanted, and I put no chairs in it, but I, I got an architect's table and tried standing at this height adjustable table for you know some weeks. I endured, but I, I just got <laughs> tired, and I found it was, it was tiring, so I just started crafting. You know, like I said, I've been an industrial designer, and I've always wanted to do furniture, uh, so I just started cobbling some things together for my own personal use. And, you know, the best ideas are born of need. I'm not an ergonomist by training, I, but I'm very aware of biomechanics because, uh, you know, being a running shoe designer in the past. But I've never really studied the upper torso and our, our hips, but I've done a lot of that studying now. It, it's, you know, the best ideas are born of need, as you know, Brad. And this is just something that humanity needs right now to make work play. To allow you, to, it puts you in a posture where you can forget about your physicality and convert what we think is work into more of a. This is the ultimate dream to make your work feel like it's play. Because we learn more, we absorb more when we're playing, and it's uh, it's it's just perspective, right? Whether it's work or play, it's almost it's your perspective on what you're doing. If you feel like it's play, then you are much more productive at it. So this product we build allows you to put yourself into a posture where you can forget about your physicality, kind of get into that focus, and just, you know, when you come back to yourself, you are okay. At the end of the day, you feel great. You feel like, I'm ready to go out for a run or, you know, go, go home and sit on the couch because you haven't been sitting at work all day. Right. You don't have all those metabolic problems like you mentioned with the sitting, uh, increasing your insulin resistance and promoting fat storage instead of fat burning. Um, you made an important point about the spine, and Esther Gauclay does a good job in her book, Eight Steps to a Healthy Back, too, with um, the fact that because of all these uh, this furniture and slouching that we've been accustomed to throughout our lives, that we now have these overly misshapen S-curves in the spines. And um, one memorable image in her book was a comparison of a medical anatomy text from like the turn of the century, early 1900s, and they have a picture of a human spine in there, and it's almost straight. And then you have a modern medical text, and you have that familiar S that everyone's promoting as 
actually ideal and you put your big thick lumbar pad to push in on and and yeah. promote that S curve. So you're saying with the um the unique chair that's part of the the focal workstation that's helping to get you in that neutral spine position uh naturally automatically. So uh, because you're you're not standing and you're not sitting the, the seat pan is at an angle. So imagine leaning against so imagine finding a log that's the right height or or better yet the reason we migrate into the kitchen at at parties. Why do you think that is? You think it's cuz that's where the food is? I think there are two reasons. It's where the food is, right? Uh, but it's also uh, there's a nice counter height in there that's very comfortable to go and kind of hook your butt on and lean. And same thing with the back of the couch or the fender of a car. You know, we find these areas that are a great height for us to just take a little bit of load off that still remain on our feet and feel human and engaged. You know, you have those conversations in that kitchen at a party that are some of the most engaging because you're, you feel rested, you feel comfortable, you're in a friendly environment, and you're able to take a little bit of load off your feet. I think that's just a, a natural human instinct. It's just when you've stopped, you take a little load off, right? But not, not sit, you know, sitting fully down in some so-called ergonomic chair at work and hoping it's going to take care of you. you know, I think it's a misnomer that these things are actually ergonomic. Yes, they're designed for a sitting human body, but sitting a, a human should really only sit for you know, a relatively short period of time. So I think, you know, I think we're on to something. Obviously, the relative application to runners and, and other athletes, you know, they talk about you know, more than nine hours of sitting a day. There's no way you can undo that just by going out and exercising for 60 minutes. And that's sort of what, you know, what people think, oh, I've gone and I've been to the gym for 60 minutes and then I go to work and I commute to work, sit at work, commute home, sit on the couch. When I get home, you've, you know, you've sat then for nine, 10 hours of the day. Right. I mean, uh, workout cannot undo that. <laughs> there's a, there's 168 hours in a week. And um, we talk about this in our, Mark and I, in our upcoming book, Primal Endurance, a lot where the, it's especially dangerous because the athlete develops this athlete mentality that they're immune from the hazards of prolonged sitting and stillness because they're such a badass for that one hour a day when they're working out. Yeah. And so, you know, they might be among the lazier people in the population. I know when I was a triathlete and training really hard all day, I would drive to my mailbox six-tenths of a mile to pick up the mail every single day. And, you know, I'd just ridden my bike 84 miles that day, but I couldn't ride another 0.6 or I couldn't walk another 0.6 because I was too tired. And so when you add up even a heavily trained athlete, it's still just a tiny fraction of their weekly uh, total hours that they're active or in good body position. And the rest of the time, they're probably on a couch or a chair or a subway bench or whatever. So um, I guess with your product, the distinction is the... The, lean, the ability to lean in that chair will allow you to, to transition entirely out of the, the, the seat experience where uh, sometimes people are saying, hey, try your stand-up desk, but you can also sit down for half the time and you can ease into it. And that's, I think, a more familiar message that we've heard. Um, but your, your deal is a little different. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is people, that's what the industry is recommending you know, because they they're in the business of selling chairs and selling desks, and they've had they've been forced to make these desks go up and down, but they don't want to stop selling their you know a thousand Aeron chairs a week. Um, it's a money maker for all these these uh, these companies, and it's hard for them to pivot and do something completely different. And that's where none of us are from the industry. I'm an industrial designer. I have an idea. 
that I think has merit in our society today in the way that we work. I think it, this device is missing. And, you know, that, like I said, we just, we have this unrelenting willingness to challenge the status quo. I mean, uh, you have to be that if you're going to, you know, if we're going to try and move our species forward and get away from all the, the healthcare. It, this is, I mean, this is the beginning of a major shift in our society, I think, to get us off of this, this whole healthcare issue that we have. And we're, there's so many kids these days that are growing up obese. Uh, and it, we somehow as a society have to change it. So I think in schools, schools are going to shift to, and again, not just forcing kids to stand all day, but have a leaning option, have a lounging area where the kids can go and stretch on a mat, but allow them to be more physically active throughout the day. My, I remember my kids when they were in junior high school, they got nine minutes of recess. What the? You can't even organize a game of stickball in, in six uh -huh. minutes. You know, then you got three minutes to play. Yeah, don't don't get me started, yeah. man. You go to the the middle school here in California, you know, they have a 50-minute PE period, and the first seven minutes is to stand on your numbered spot and take roll. And it's like, how about if a kid comes early, why don't you let them run around, run laps instead of take roll? Yeah. Who cares? You know, it's all this wasted time, even that, you know, that, those precious few moments we have to actually move and exercise, we, we blow them by, um, you know, getting too overly regimented and, you know, thinking that it's, I mean, I talked to so many people that, you know, they haven't yet started their exercise program because they have to join the gym and they have to do this, have to do that. It's like, you can walk out of the dwelling and, you know, move your body and that's your exercise program kicking off right now for five minutes is fine or 10 or whatever you have to spare. Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right. Um, so if the listeners are not familiar, they haven't yet hit, um, focaluprightfurniture.com, um, maybe they should do it in the course of this show so they can see what this unique, um, do you call it the uh, the MOGO leaning, what, what do you call the uh, the implement that you can... Well, they're all seats. We don't call them chairs. A chair has a backrest and generally armrests, but the, none of our seats have backrests because, again, you become responsible for your own posture again while using our, our seats. So they're really called seats. So the MOGO seat, the locus seat, and the MOBIS seat. And we'll be introducing a new seat at the beginning of uh, our end of first quarter next year that's sort of in between the Mobis and the Mogo price point wise. Uh, so just for curiosity, like you, you come up with these, these ideas and you do some, I guess, prototypes, like take me through, you know, how the company launched and then what does one do if they have this wonderful passion and have a great product? Are you going to trade shows and lining up against the the $600 fancy-pantsy luxury chairs, or what is it like out there in the big bad uh, world where you're trying to make inroads with this totally novel um, approach and, and novel product to what office furniture or whatever category you know we're accustomed to? It's it's interesting uh, question because it's for me as an industrial designer, it's exhilarating to try and make a shift in these large industries. I Obviously, I started my shoe company uh, shortly after 9-11, and it was, it was a time when I wanted to get out of the industry and make a difference and get out with the difference. So I started casting all these feet to develop this, this product that eventually became Keen Footwear. And it instantly drove a huge wedge into the industry. And within, I think, two years, we took 85% of Teva's market share uh, Chaco sandals was sold for a very small sum some years uh, later. So we basically took all the sandal market within a very short period of time. 
and globally. Uh, and while footwear is fashion, you know, it was very functional fashion that I created. Very comfortable product. I don't know if you've ever owned a pair of my my shoes, Brad, but they um, you put them on, they feel like you've had them forever. They fit your feet very well. So this you were going head up against Teva and kicking butt. Is that your comparison product? Or? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. with with the footwear. So now in in uh, furniture is a much more conservative industry, and there's relatively few large players. Herman Miller, Steelcase, Hayworth, Knoll being the you know some of the top four. And it, yeah, we show up with these novel, if you call it that, these novel ideas, this completely different way of, of working physically. And we, we wanted to go to shows that uh, the second show we went to, the, we launched at the International Contemporary Furniture Fair in New York in May of 2012. And then that December, we went to the Ergonomics Expo, which uh, is attended by about 1,200 ergonomists from around the world. And these are the folks who you know, show up at work and tell you how to position yourself in your ergonomic seat, put the keyboard at the right height, adjust your monitor so you're not going to hurt your neck. And they're, the, you know, they're pros of helping you to not get injured at work, preventing you from being injured at work. <laughs> injured. And next, Yeah, well, whatever you call it, a strain, strained, you know, stressed over time, injured over time. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to prevent work loss. I got injured yesterday at work. Uh, Mark hurt my feelings, so my, my feelings were injured. <laughs> But otherwise, everybody's healthy. <laughs> I don't think these ergonomists can help you there. Uh, but so we went to this show. We had Steelcase on one of us on one side of us. We had Herman Miller on the other side of us. Combined, you know, four billion dollar valuation. We're nobody, right in the middle. And who won the best of show, the attendees' choice award by all these ergonomists? This newcomer, Focal Upright, because it was a completely different way of looking at the human architecture and being considerate, being compassionate towards us physically and saying, look, we can support ourselves and feel rested without injury. And, it, I, and I mean injury being, you know, prolonged sitting and stressing your back and then having your neck hunch forward and then you stand up and now you've got short hip flexors. So completely looking at a different way of, of holding ourselves. So it's been incredibly exciting to, to bring this, as you call it, novel. Uh, I mean, people do, they think it's a fad, but it's it's not. I mean, some things come along and we realize there's a shift here. There's a different way of considering things. And I it made me forced me to kind of look at the history of human factors, which is the measurement of man, the measurement of woman and how we are. Uh, you know, what is our work reach arc when we're inside a vehicle, when we're at a desk and designing vehicles and desks and things around these postures. And the only two postures that were ever considered were the sitting posture and the standing posture. So I did discover some years ago studies that NASA has done of man in or woman in zero gravity. And the posture we take, if we are to let all of our muscles go with no gravity affecting us, and we assume the pretty much the exact same posture that you assume when you're using our seat, which I guarantee you is a, is a coincidence. But at the same time, you know, I got to this, this solution because it felt right for me. And I was listening to my body and trying to put myself in a place where I could forget about my physicality and become the best shoe designer I could be. And I, I think I got pretty far along that in, it, in allowing myself to create a company and have it be successful. And to me, a lot of it has to do with the posture that I put myself in. So I, I think there's, a, there's an advantage that employers can look at the way their employees are 
are working and say, all right, well, how can I get the best human cognitive performance out of all these people and allow them to feel great about themselves? And that is with getting a table that can go up and pull the plug once it's up and then buy one of these stand devices, leaning devices, so that when they get tired, they can take a load off. Because that's all we need is a little little rest. Yeah, and it seems like when you are making those concrete steps, like if you were to walk into your corporate headquarters and see you know, this interesting setup, it might lead to uh, more and more innovations and progressions in the workplace. And one thing I wanted to bring up that you mentioned earlier was the, um, the open setting that we're all familiar with that we see in the movies and stuff. And what is the rationale behind that? Like, you know, when you go from cubicles where you have barriers and theoretically, I guess the idea is that, you know, you can concentrate in your cubicle. You're not looking at 12 other people and overhearing their conversations. But um, what is the thought process about having these open, open environments in the workplace nowadays? I think it's primarily real estate. Uh, that's what sort of initiated it. How can I pack more people into a smaller space? Well, let's take down the, the cube walls and have them all you know, work together a little bit closer. So it's, it was initially out of uh, real estate. You know, if you think about the cost of real estate in New York City or San Francisco, that's sort of where this, this thing started was in San Francisco, this whole idea of open offices and packing a bunch of people in to work closer. So it's definitely an issue, and I, I believe the, what the industry is heading towards more convertible spaces where you have very flexible acoustic panels that you can roll around and subdivide and move, you know, kind of convert the space uh, on a whim more than a you know, full-on build-out designed architecture space. Very, you know, tables on wheels. You can put, lock the casters. You can reconfigure as different teams need to huddle together. The whole workplace is, is shifting and I, I think it's uh, this whole open plan is, is definitely a distraction. I know some people thrive on the noise and chaos around them. Some people cannot focus at all, and they need complete silence. And that's where you see the people, a lot of people wearing the uh, noise-canceling headphones or, or uh, you know, headphones that you know, listen to music so they can tune everyone out. But again, the visual distraction is something that is, is huge for some people. It's, it really depends on the individual. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, it seems to be as presented as the, the ultimate cool workplace vibe, but that would drive me absolutely crazy, you know? I mean, it, it seems like there's pros and cons, and I, I like how you individualize that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, th this, everyone's trying to figure out what the future of the office is right now, and I think this is the best solution people have come up with, but there's been so much pushback about the open plan office that I, I don't think we're going to see the cube farm come around again. But I think you're going to see a lot more uh, self-convertible partitions. You know, if you want to have privacy and, <laughs> and you want your neighbors to know that you're trying to concentrate on getting this this article out or you know, getting this project done, the spreadsheet hammered out, that you know you've got your cone of silence pulled down over you, and it means it's a visual distraction or a visual cue to them to not bother you. And plus, you have your own little silent space. So I. I think there's a lot of innovation that can take place in the office, and I, I definitely want to try and lead some of that, that effort towards making you able to adopt your individual area of your office to your liking, because some people love the distraction. They're not distracted by it. Some people are completely lost, and they can't focus at all when there's the visual or audio distraction. Hey, Martin Keene, thank you so much for taking the time from your 
your busy days of designing and running the company and getting the uh, the new products out, um, I really uh, recommend listeners go check out Focal Upright Furniture so you can see these incredible workstations that we're talking about and the unique uh, leaning position that is so sensible and allows you to make a smooth and comfortable transition into the world of uh, dynamic workstations. So thanks for taking the time on the Primal Blueprint podcast and good luck with all your future endeavors. Yeah, thanks so much, Brad. It's been a great pleasure talking with you. All right, Martin Keene, thanks for listening. This is your host, Brad Kearns, on the Primal Blueprint podcast. Are you someone who appreciates a fast, casual dining experience? Is it important that the taste of your food and the freshness of the ingredients take center stage? Well, bringing that experience to a table near you is the mission of the hottest new franchise concept in North America, Primal Kitchen Restaurants. If you want to learn more about this one-of-a-kind franchising opportunity, go to PrimalKitchenRestaurants.com. That's PrimalKitchenRestaurants.com.